Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. In this episode, we'll continue our talk with Arnaud de Villegas and Matthew Agai from Drone Seed and learn more about some of the challenges they've faced. In the meantime, I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation, both promoting sound technical forest education through projects like this podcast. This year, the Pacific Forest Foundation awarded $30,000 in scholarships. To find out more about this organization, visit www.pacificforestfoundation.org. Now, let's get back to our talk with Arnu and Matthew. So there are, um, and we, we are building a company that really has an answer to each. Um, there is a lack of seed. There is a lack of um, innovation and, uh, in, in reseeding um, and replanting. There is a lack of nursery grow space to grow seedlings the, the traditional way. Um, there is um, a lack of labor, folks to put trees back in the ground. Yeah. And there is a lack of funding. Um, and we, you know, Drone Seed, and, and it's uh, in partnership, as Matthew says, with, uh, with its uh, subsidiaries, is, um, is investing in scaling all of those, mm-hmm. uh, which is exciting. Yeah. yeah and our, our, our goal is to address all these limiting factors in what is now recently been um, consolidated in terminology under uh, the terms reforestation pipeline. And you know, I appreciate that there's been a lot of work, um, both by academics and and experts in the field. You know, I've contributed to some of it, um, but what we're noticing is there's an imbalance in this pipeline. Um, if you you know hear all the callouts of world leaders and and regional uh, politicians and and uh, you know nonprofits, they're they're saying let's produce trillions of more trees or billions of more trees. And, you know, I appreciate that we're headed in that direction and I know the need, but the reality is if you produce those trees, it's not a, if you build it, they will come scenario. We actually need to have balance across that pipeline so that those trees that are produced are actually put in the ground. Um, So enough seed, enough seedling production, enough planters, as Arnu's saying, but also making sure that there's incentives across that entire pipeline um, and that landowners know they have that as a resource. Um, so you asked about what what are we what are we struggling with? And one of the things we're struggling with is making sure that landowners, um, again, uh, whether it's a mom and pop or an industrial landowner, know that they have this option to work with a company like ours um, to have this turnkey service because it's a brand new thing. And historically in the forest industry, you didn't have that balance in the pipeline. And each one of these elements of the um, uh, reforestation pipeline or artificial regeneration pipeline were, were disjointed um, and we're with different entities. So, you know, we're, we're just yeah. trying to get the word out there and we're hoping that, you know, whether it's us or the copycats or anyone else that's coming up in this space, we can actually create some balance to this pipeline as we build it. Great. And you guys have been in it for a little bit now. What have been some of your highlights for you, for the company or you personally? Yeah, I mean, like one of the most satisfying uh, things um, is when we're able to respond immediately to a landowner that was in need, um, either during or after a fire. You know, we'll get a phone call, let's say middle of July, like happened last year from a landowner who's burning. 
and is already thinking, uh, oh man, I really don't have any seed to be able to order the seedlings to replant these areas. Yeah. And <laughs> so we put ourselves in a position uh, to respond immediately. We were literally collecting on the boundaries of the fire. And just this last year, we planted those areas with seedlings. So demonstrating that full model is, is us building trust with these, uh, these, these foresters, first and foremost, that they have a solution. They have a resource um, that'll allow us to act immediately and to their best interest and to the best interests of the land. And then on the, and then on the, um, the last piece is, is the funding, you know, so folks uh, having to delay their reforestation projects because of a lack of funding, they're relying on, um, on great programs, on great federal and state grant programs, but that just, you know, um, that, um, that, you know, are, 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 there's so many folks in line, you know, for those dollars. Yeah. Um, and so the private capital markets that we're able to essentially tap into, right, the large corporate buyers who are tapping into voluntary carbon markets and are wanting to help support these reforestation outcomes are, um, are critical, just really critical, right? So they're, yeah. they're paying for tons of carbon that landowners are going to sequester on their land, on, on, on their land, right? Um, mm -hmm. To um, to manage for forest resilience over uh, over an extended period of time for generations to come, and that's it provides such a relief. And so, you know, a personal a personal victory, if you will, um, is in um, some of the projects that we've worked on in this last year together um, as a team here at Joint Seed, and seeing you know seeing the personal impact that it has on. On the face of a landowner who, you know, first called in tears because, you know, their forest had gone up in smoke and all that was left was ash. Um, and then seeing the seedlings back in the ground and money in the landowner's pockets and 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 hope, you know, that the future yeah. the forest will come back. And that's, you know, that's really fulfilling. And, you know, Drone Seed, we're very much a, a mission-driven organization. And, and, you know, to have so many wonderful people on our team just... Um, all aligned towards that mission is uh, is really um, is unique. Yeah, and just so I understand correctly, are you um, Matthew? When you mentioned the person who called and said their place was burning, did you actually take the seeds from their property so the seedlings are actually their own seed? Yeah. So we we collected, and and it's important. Matthew can speak about this better than I can, but um, you know that we matched that genetic uh, stock. Yeah back uh, back on the ground um we we were collecting and so often fire doesn't burn an entire ownership and so we were collecting um yes on that private landowner's ground uh when you know within in one instance because it's a pretty erratic fire pattern uh, within a, a mile of the of, of an active fire of an active um catastrophic wildfire yeah. and, and the reason we can do that is you know we've built a company that is a lot more flexible and isn't mired in the bureaucratic or regulatory processes that let's say a state or federal agency is and as a result we can be an extension of those those agents that are are uh, there to serve these individual landowners and we can be quite a bit more nimble and accommodating in these emergencies so that we can react and again serve that landowner with with a with a rapid response for reforestation. So, how big is drone seed overall now? 
You know, we're, we're hovering around 150 employees across uh, the main company and its subsidiaries. And okay. the coolest part about that is we have all manner of workers. Um, you know, we have, you know, our nursery workers, our seed collectors, um, we have growers, we have uh, program managers, um, we have software engineers, we have hardware engineers, we have specialists um, that are ranging from uh, people that work on process and process improvement and, you know, Sigma Six black belts, but we also have PhD <laughs> reforestation scientists. Um, we have administrators. We have an executive team that is phenomenally qualified and, um, you know, has been at several other companies before this and, and grown businesses in all manners of industry uh, and operation from our CEO who used to, you know, work in uh, insect production and with uh, sustainable wind energy um, to others who are at some of the big companies like uh, Amazon and, and beyond. And all of this experience is coming together under what Arnu identified as, as the mission. Um, so, you know, that's the thing that brings us all here, and that's to mitigate the worst effects of climate change by scaling reforestation. And what's beautiful about that is it's kind of a win-win for everyone. Uh, industry benefits in that we create a turnkey process um, in an area that's essential to uh, sustaining our woodlands that are, you know, productive for timber and fiber, but it also helps the rest of uh, the communities that may not be right there in the backyard of the forest by making sure we're generating new opportunities for ecosystem services that we all rely on from water to air and beyond. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress. The Pacific Logging Congress will be holding their ninth annual Live in Wood show this year in Washington at Weyerhaeuser's Vale Tree Farm. The dates are September 21st through the 23rd. You can find more details at www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Okay, now let's get back to Arnu and Matthew. Yeah, we kind of almost just answered in a way my next question was there's young people out there looking at forestry as possibly a new career and or a career and a lot of them think them as just loggers out there but you can attest the fact that it covers the gambit every well, job out there is in forestry <laughs> we but we need more loggers too you know um you know these fires leave um a lot of merchantable timber on the landscape mm -hmm. And if we don't remove it, uh, you know, that adds uh, fuel to the fire the next, the next instance. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, you know, we've got, um, we've got a, uh, a colleague who, you know, is in the aerospace uh, industry and is currently building green state of the art greenhouses, you know, uh, <laughs> you know we've got, um, as uh, Matthew says, yeah, just a, a people from an array of backgrounds, um, finance and capital markets to help raise capital for private landowners needing funding, uh, you know, so that we offer, um, as uh, as our head of our finance and operation calls it, zero down reforestation and help you know folks huh. um, folks stand that forest back up. You know, have the capital in place to uh, to do so. So it's it's diverse um, and a diverse group of people. But uh, but as I said, you know, all squarely aligned on um, on uh, on reforestation. And and Diane, I guess if you'll allow me, I mean, I think one of the things that is important to call out is why there's this misperception uh, among the next generations and yeah. you know having come through three institutions three american institutions um, that were all forestry accredited schools um, from the midwest all the way west 
you know, I, I can tell you squarely that if it if it wasn't for me particularly being interested in in regeneration and this side of the forestry business, I wouldn't have found uh, a logical path. Um, it wasn't easily okay. presented through these silviculture and forestry programs that were very much over the last five decades geared towards um, serving the operations and silvics part um, of of the forestry management education. Um, there's what 50 or so uh, SAF accredited institutions uh, across our, our country. And I think maybe three of them um, teach artificial regeneration uh, exclusively and have programs geared towards it. And I can say pretty confidently that none of them are teaching um, the dynamics of seed collection, seed extraction, and nursery production with the exception of maybe one, oh. maybe one. And so the fact that that isn't available as part of a curriculum um, is something that I think we need to see changed um, through all this infrastructure bill and support money coming from the federal government, but also through how universities think about their faculty and the disciplines that really serve the landscape. Um, and there's another element here, and that's there's been a big veering uh, in environmental uh, you know, education programs towards uh, sustainability and the management of the environment for ecosystem services. And these are excellent things, but they need to be nested in the practicality of resource management. And you don't often see that um, because okay. it's hard to develop practicums um, and, and applied work into these university programs um, for a variety of uh, complex reasons that, we, that are no fault of any individual university or administrator. But having been through these programs, I think that's what we need to see a revival in, you know, school forests, getting students out to managing uh, resources, um, you know, as part of their curriculum, um, having them working uh, more directly with industry. And now in some of these scenarios, while they're still getting their education, so they can turn around and find companies like ours and come to us, um, you know, with yeah. training and with perspective. Because what we've found uh, over the last five years is we're, we're effectively um, providing on-the-job training um, through real-world experience and real-world management. And that's why we've got all these phenomenally, uh, you know, brilliant uh, and qualified people supporting this sector. But we, we, we need more experts coming out of, uh, you know, institutions with, with familiarity and, and domain expertise in forestry, forest management, silviculture, et cetera. Yeah. Any, any suggestions on how that gets going? I mean, we're, we're very much supporting as internships as possible through okay. uh, regional universities. So without naming them all, um, mm -hmm. you know, all the R1s, all the all the land grant institutions that uh, teach forestry in the Pacific Northwest, we've we've reached out and we've either got a program or a funnel with them um, or we're, we're working to build them. Um, we're also hiring some of the scientists that come out of these programs. Um, you know, for, for every 10 PhDs that are graduating, I don't think there are 10 faculty jobs. So we're trying to aim some of those, um, you know, again, phenomenally qualified uh, deep thinkers um, at some of our problems to work with us. So nice. we're bringing on as many people as we can, but I think this is an all hands on deck scenario. So I think we'd like to see um, other uh, other people in this sector start to do the same and start to ultimately help the universities incentivize, you know, faculty and programs that can serve the the this this you know colossal problem that we have ahead of us, which is not only how do we reforest the landscape, but how do we sustainably manage, how do we create healthy and resilient forests over the next few decades? You know, this is going to require 
you know, a manager in every county and every section. And, and I don't think we're quite there yet. In fact, I think the deficit is real. So do you, are you guys actually training folks too, or is that? We, we are, we, we, every, we I mean, you, you personally, do you end up having to take someone under your wing and teaching yeah. them or? Yeah, that's right. As much as we can, we, we run our shop. Um, if you'll allow me to use the analogy, like a dojo, um, okay. you know, we have the people, that have the experience typically uh, in positions where they're they're making um, you know informed or difficult decisions on a daily basis, and we try to move people up into the you know into into their uh, under their wings as much as we can. And this is across the board, um, nice. everywhere from the nurseries uh, to the forestry operations, um, uh, all the way to some of the software and hardware uh, design, and even on the executive team. You know, the goal is basically. Uh, create an, an environment where we're learning in real time and and providing opportunities for people to step up and leaders because of the scale of work we have ahead of us. So yes, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So um, if somebody's listening to this and says, "Hey, they just sound like a great company. I'd love to work for those guys." Would they check your website out? Is that that's one way to do it. Um, you know, uh, I think check out the silvacy.com website for okay. any nursery work. Uh, check out the dronec.com uh, careers page for any uh, work in the, the parent company or across any of other subsidiaries. Um, we've got some really exciting announcements um, about some of our expansion. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for work. And, and I'll caveat that by saying you do not need to have any specific qualifications um, to work in our sector. It helps to have some if you want to work in a specific domain area or expertise, yeah. but you don't even need to be able to speak English. Um, you know, at, we, we support any and all manner of workers across all of our subsidiaries, and we will create a pathway for you as long as you can align with us under the mission and you're ready to roll up your sleeves and get some work done. Oh, that sounds perfect. I want to come work for you guys now. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> we should talk after this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the the cost factor that it costs more to go this route than if you know it just probably because it's a turnkey versus you know i just usually went to the nursery and got some stuff or i you know well, planted myself i i hear that a little bit so i mean i i would say um that our um our uh our cost breaker um, for the entire program from site prep uh, through to, um, you know, before us being stood back up was very much in line with, um, you know, industrial cost models. Um, okay. You would expect that um, any element that includes cutting edge technology and innovation will in the short term come at a relative premium, but on a blended basis, um, across the reforestation project, you know, we um, we're at um, we're we're at par with industry. What I would say though is, um, you know, um, speed is of the essence, and so our ability to deliver outcomes quickly, uh, you know, is uh, is of real value and shouldn't be shouldn't be. A oh yeah, absolutely. And also, Mike, another question. Um, so you you go out and say you didn't plant it by hand you drop pucks in some very remote locations yeah. um do you monitor those how they you know grow how how do you, what do you do after yeah, that happens we, 
Um, we, we have a high degree of accountability. In fact, I think it's unprecedented um, when compared to any other operator in the space when it comes to regeneration surveying. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll give a quick shout out to our research and development team. This is a, a team of biologists that are um, effectively completely focused and assigned to the betterment of seed enablement technology. And this includes the pucks as one of those solutions for aerial seeding. Okay. And the idea behind the puck isn't that we're we're creating some sort of magic, um, you know, what is it, Jack and the Beanstalk type <laughs> thing where we just sprinkle a seed and we hope, you know, that it'll turn into this uh, forest. You know, our, our goal is actually to reduce the amount of seed that um, is used in, in aerial seeding in order to achieve a standing uh, forest. And that means that that team um, is out there measuring through a series of fixed radius plots um, with a high fidelity, all of the puck projects that we put out, whether it's a few acres or a thousand acres. And that okay. means we know what our turnover rate is, um, you know, from puck to uh, trees across that entire project. And we can tell you what that turnover is um, by microsite, by by slope, by aspect, um, by species, like, again, with a high degree of accuracy. And, and on the other side of the aisle, where we're still doing traditional seedling planting, we have our foresters doing the same work. And our foresters are using conventional regeneration uh, seedling surveys that are very familiar to both industry and other operators so that we can speak that common language of stocking rates um, and and establishment rates uh, as these projects uh, get to that age. Okay. And do you also, um, you know, I, I don't know whether with what technology, but I, I know that some of these guys fertilize or, you know, do different things to their forests. Do you do those things as well? We, we do. Um, historically, uh, Drone Seed had worked in the site preparation application space with some of our aerial uh, technologies. We moved away from that, but now we, we contract and work with uh, site preparation operators um, okay. so that we can, we can provide uh, those services on the front end of any operation where, it, where it's relevant. So where you may have a, uh, a year or two between the fire and the application of seed or seedlings. Yeah. Site preparation is something we do contract and manage. Um, we also uh, work with any other um, contractors or professionals in the space um, to ensure that uh, site tending and operations are in line with landowner objectives. So whether there are plantation objectives or um, other more ecological objectives, um, we make sure we're tending in that direction. And we, you know, we should say we as as much as possible, we're using local stakeholders to do this okay. uh, because our interest is very much in. Uh, franchising this in such a way that we're supporting local foresters, local operators, and really, really creating a community in the way that timber used to support these in in a lot of these, um, you know, production communities that were oriented around extraction and harvesting. Um, you know, we want to revive that, but now with you know uh, other incentives, um, you know, incentivizing the front end of reforestation and creating an entire ecosystem of of. Um, you know, service providers uh, locally once again. Nice. We'd like to once again thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation for making this podcast possible. And we want to thank Arnu and Matthew for taking the time to talk with us. Till next time, take care.